What the freaking heck is up, guys? Um, you hear my air conditioner right now. It's gonna turn off in a second. I'm recording in my bathroom because it's currently the quietest spot in my house because I'm doing laundry and things are noisy. Um, but yeah, what, what the freaking heck's up? There, the air conditioner turned off and now it's gonna sound kind of echoey. Great. Um, yeah, it, I don't know. It feels like it's been a super long time since I've done an actual case. Um, well, I guess I guess it kind of has been a super long time since I did a case. So today, before I get into anything, I'm going to preface by saying that school is starting soon. This is literally, you're listening to this Sunday, possibly. Um, school starts tomorrow, if it's Sunday. School starts the 23rd for me, and I might change my schedule to do either three episodes a month or possibly even two. Um, I'll still post every single week, or at least try to, you, you know me, sometimes things happen, um, but research-wise, I think I'll do two or three cases a month, and then the other two or one episodes will just be silly ones like I did last week with Matthew, or like reading ghost stories, or, you know, stuff like that. Um, with me having a larger class schedule this semester and picking up more hours at work, I just think that it would be a smarter idea for me to have more time to focus on school and not so much my cases. Do you understand? Um, you guys are still the most important thing in my life. Do not, do not even think for a second. Um, just don't let school or work know that. Um, anyways, today I'm crocheting a steering wheel cover and we are talking about the unsolved murder of Faith Hedgepath. So grab a snack, grab a drink, grab your projects, and let's get into this. Here we go. On September 7th, 2012, Faith Hedgepath was murdered. I always hate sounding so cheery while I'm saying that. You guys know, you guys know. Um, Faith was born on September 26th, 1992 in Warren County, North Carolina, and she was a member of the Haliwa Saponi Native American tribe and was described as a beautiful soul by all of her friends. Faith's name literally originated from the fact that while her mother was pregnant with her, Faith's father was battling a very intense drug addiction. Faith's mother thought that bringing a baby into the world would give her father the faith that he needed to beat his addiction, and in high school, Faith was one of those students that was known for going above and beyond academically. Um, she was also well known by the students, being a cheerleader and involved in multiple extracurricular activities. After high school, she received a scholarship to attend UNC Chapel Hill, and I've heard that that college is super important and difficult to get into, so she's very smart. She was very, very smart. Um, Faith attended UNC Chapel Hill with the intention to become a pediatrician. Graduating would make her the first college graduate in her family, and while she attended UNC Chapel Hill, she was described as a party girl who was boy crazy but still kept her academics in line. Faith became particular, particularly close with another student named Karina Rosario, and Karina and Faith were the friends that would party together, go study in the library together, and basically they were inseparable, attached at the hip. Um, at that time, Karina was dating a man named Eric, and their relationship was extremely rocky. 
When Eric and Karina's relationship turned violent, Karina ended up kicking Eric out of their shared apartment, and this is when Faith moved in. After Eric was kicked out, he was obviously very upset with the decision that Karina made and repeatedly tried to break into the home, Um, and a few times he was successful doing so, breaking down doors and busting locks to get inside the home, and one day he ended up getting in and assaulting Karina. After this happened, Faith really pushed Karina to get a protective order against Eric, and with enough convincing, Karina allowed Faith to drive her to the police station to do so. These actions only caused Eric to become increasingly more aggressive towards both of the girls. In some sort of conversation, it was either in person or over the phone, I'm not sure, Eric actually threatened to kill Faith if she was not able to start, if he was not able to start dating Karina again. He truly thought that the reason him and Karina didn't work out was because Faith was standing in the way, not because he was a POS. Um, This all happened in July of 2012, just two months before Faith was killed. I lost my spot. Oh, so let's flash forward to September 6th of 2012, the night before Faith was found dead. Um, At around 5.45 p.m. on September 6th, 2012, Faith attended a rush meeting for the sorority Alpha Pi Omega. This was a sorority that Faith really wanted to be a part of, so she stayed through the rush party, and then at 7.15pm she told all of her friends that she had to get back to her dorm room to work on a huge project that involved diving into the history of her tribe. On her way to the school library, she picked up Karina, which was a super normal routine of theirs to study together, Um, They were at the library for quite some time when all of a sudden Faith is shown on camera getting up and leaving Karina alone. And it is confirmed that she left to go see a young man, which isn't something out of the norm for her. She's a little boy crazy. It's okay. Um, Around 11 p.m. Sorry, I dropped my yarn and now I'm trying to go get it without ending this. Okay. Um, Around 11 p.m. Faith is shown coming back to the library, gathering her things, chatting with Karina for a second, and they were both seen leaving together. Um, I just gathered while researching that Karina didn't have a car and relied on Faith to drive her around because Faith had a car. So, um, yes, they're both seen leaving together, and I lost my spot, if you can't tell. Love that for me. Okay. Um, But this is just where their night began. After leaving the library, Karina and Faith went to a local club named Thrill. College kids loved this club because Thrill um, allowed 18 and 20 year olds into dance, while most clubs in their area only allow 21 and up. Um, And around 2 a.m., Karina and Faith and an unknown male were seen walking out of the club together. Karina was commenting that she was dealing with some stomach issues and she asked if Faith was ready to go home. So they called a cab and just Karina and Faith got in and a camera catches them entering the cab. And that footage is basically the last time that Faith was seen alive by anybody other than Karina that we know of. Um, Karina and Faith's downstairs neighbor was coincidentally still awake watching TV when the girls returned home from Thrill around 3 a.m. And this woman that lives below them said that just about 30 minutes after the girls arrived home, she heard three loud and concerning bumping noises. Why do I get so out of breath from talking? (sighs) Then the downstairs neighbor described the sounds to be similar to a heavy bag being dropped on the floor or a chair being knocked over. And authorities later found out that 
when these noises were made, Faith's Facebook was active. Um, these sounds could have easily been explained off as the girls being intoxicated from going out, even though they were underage. Um, one of them could have bumped into something and fallen or knocked something over. But around 3.40 a.m., a text message was sent from Faith's phone, and the message was sent to a guy named Brandon, who used to date Karina. Uh, Faith's message read, Hey, B, come over here, please. Rosario needs you more. Aha, you know. Please let her know you care. And then a few minutes later, another message was sent to Brandon saying, Than, which is assumed to be correcting the aha, so the sentence would read, um, Rosario needs you more than you know. Not Rosario needs you more. Aha, you know. After these messages were sent, there was no more activity from Faye's phone. Um, Brandon actually did not respond until the next day, and even then he just replied asking who was texting him because he didn't have Faith's number in his phone. Weirdly though, at the same time Faith was trying to text Brandon, Karina was calling him repeatedly, and when he didn't answer, she turned to calling a man named Jordan, who came and picked her up around 4 a.m. Karina said that when she left Jordan, she left the apartment unlocked. Um, this is why Karina is constantly under fire from speculators. They wonder why she would ever leave the door unlocked when previously she has repeatedly had to change locks to prevent Eric from getting in and physically assaulting both of the women. Um, anyways, after Jordan picked Karina up, he took her to another location where she wasn't heard from until around 10.30 a.m. And when she started to try to contact Faith to get home, or around 10.30 a.m. is when she tried to start to contacting Faith to get home because um, she doesn't have a car and she needs Faith to give her a ride. So after calling Faith multiple times and not receiving an answer, she turned to her friend Marisol, who knew both Faith and Karina very well. Uh, when Marisol answered the phone, Karina was explaining to her that she was at somebody else's house and she was trying to get a hold of Faith, who wasn't answering. She explained that she needed a ride back home and needed help getting in contact with Faith. Um, Marisol offered to just go and pick up Karina and bring her to the apartment. That way they could both go back or go in and check on Faith, who they assumed was just oversleeping due to the late night they had before. Uh, but this was extremely unlike Faith. She did not sleep in very often, especially if she had classes that day, which she did. Um, and then Karina and Marisol arrived at the apartment complex around 11 a.m. And when they pulled into the parking lot, they noticed that Faith's car was, in fact, still there. Innocently assuming that Faith had just overslept, they walked up the stairs to the apartment and went inside, expecting to just wake her up and tell her to get ready for class. But when they walked into Faith's room to wake her up, they realized that she was no longer alive. So Marisol and Karina walked into a brutal scene. Um, Faith was laying halfway off the bed, face up with a puddle of blood around her head. She was wearing a large t-shirt that had pulled up, had been pulled up over her head and she was tangled up in her bed sheets. It was pretty clear that she had put up a fight against whoever was attacking her. Um, she was wearing a large t-shirt. Mm, just read that line. <laughs> the room was covered in blood splatter and it was very obvious that she had been violently attacked by someone. Um, the girls called the police immediately and investigators were sent out to the scene to start collecting evidence. A majority of the case was kept in or kept quiet for pretty long time um but it was revealed that they found semen um either on or inside faith's body along with the semen they took dna samples from the entire apartment from the entire apartment um and concluded that the semen and the dna around the apartment were from the same male 
Oddly enough, though, the blood splatter was contained to just the bedroom. A theory that I have heard a few times while researching this case is that if someone did this as a crime of opportunity, they would have ran in, killed Faith, and ran out, leaving a trail of blood wherever they went. They would do this quickly and haphazardly because they would be trying not to get caught. For example, if someone was just a random... If it was just some random stranger who saw that the door was unlocked, they would have run in and killed Faith and then immediately ran out not knowing if or when somebody would be returning. So they wouldn't necessarily be worrying about the cleanliness, which would mean there would be blood splatters throughout the entire apartment. Anyways, yes, um, there was an empty bottle of rum that was found inside the room that Faith was in and the rum bottle was covered in blood and from the jump, investigators kind of named that the murder weapon. People assumed that the murder weapon could not be the bottle because it would have broke, broken if it was used with such force to kill someone, but tests were run and recreated, or they recreated the injuries on a dummy with an identical liquor bottle and the bottle did not break. And you would only need like 16 miles per hour of force to kill someone and it didn't break with that. So, whatever. Um, plus, Faith was determined to have died from blood force trauma to the head. So it was looking, I guess I didn't say that earlier, it was looking more and more likely that the rum bottle was in fact the weapon that was used to kill her. Um, now I know, I know what you're all thinking. Eric, Eric totally did this. With his history of being aggressive towards women, physically assaulting Karina, constantly breaking into the shared apartment, and even threatening to kill Faith, um, he's the easiest answer. It's just, duh. Um, on top of this, the night that Faith was murdered, he texted someone to forgive him for what he was about to do, as well as tweeted that exact statement, and then a few days after the murder, he changed his bat banner on Twitter to a picture that said, Dear Lord, forgive me for all of my sins and the sins I commit today. Protect me from the girls who don't deserve me and the ones who wish me dead today. Yeah. Fishiest freak, right? Fishiest freak. Um, due to this suspicious behavior, he was brought in to give a DNA sample to compare to the DNA found at the crime scene. He, you know, he just seemed like the obvious answer to both authorities and people close to Faith's life, um, because of the behavior that he was exhibiting and the previous threats that he had made on Faith's life. Um, yeah. At first, he was very hesitant on giving the DNA sample, but after a while he did, and it did not match. Uh, yeah, sorry. They then called in Brandon to give a DNA sample because both of the girls had tried contacting him the night that Faith was murdered, as well as the man that was seen leaving through with them, and the man that Faith had left Karina in the library for. None of these men matched the DNA found at the scene. Of course not. It'd be too simple. It'd be too easy. So a $30,000 reward was raised by multiple different parties because they believed that the more money they had, the easier the answer would come. Um, a few years before Faith's murder, the student body president at the UNC Chapel Hill was also murdered, and they didn't have any answers for her case until a $25,000 reward was raised, and it led them straight to the murderer. So, when the reward was, re reward, that's a hard word, reward was released to the public, tips came in, but the killer remained unknown. Of course. Of course. Um, then the January after Faith was murdered, they released a profile for the man that they think killed Faith. They said that he would have been around her age and more than likely lived very close to her. They said that he probably had tried to come on to Faith, but was denied multiple times, which angered him. 
um, that he would have had an intense interest in the case and people would notice the obsession. And they released this profile in hopes that it would narrow down the search. But it brought no new information. Of course it didn't. Of course it didn't. My air conditioner is going to kick on any second now. It's going to make me very angry. Um, this is when the public st- started turning on the Chapel Hill police as publics do when police work is mediocre. Um, they assumed that the police department could not handle a caseload this large and that they needed to call in help from the FBI. And they were starting to speculate that the reason no answers are coming forward in the case was because the case was actually handled improperly. My throat. I have a tickle in my throat. <clears throat> yes. Um, word started spreading and the town began to speak out. The residents that lived in the same apartment complex as Karina and Faith all just assumed that the police were there for a dispute between Eric and Karina since that's usually what happened. Um, they had no idea that Faith had been murdered until way later on. Also, I'm just going to add this in here while I'm thinking of it. Last night, I came home. Matthew and I watched a little bit of Big Brother together. I passed out on the couch for like three hours. It happens. While I was passed out, apparently, Matthew heard a ton of police sirens and whatever. Emergency vehicle sirens. And just didn't think anything of it. We live in an area where... There's a lot of older people. Um, with older people comes death. I'm just going to say it. We live in a country club area um, and people die a lot. So it's normal for us to hear stuff like that late at night. Um, but then my mom texts me and she's like, dude, there's some spooky things going on really close to you. But I was asleep. Um, so I tried to find it. Like, I woke up at, like, midnight, and I tried to search everywhere for answers, and I could not find anything. Of course I couldn't. Um, But then this morning, it was released that there was, like, 11 cops, two fire trucks, a couple ambulances, whatever. um, Because a group of college roommates, I think it was, like, three of them, they were all living together. And one of them somehow got shot in the head and died and it's under investigation. I don't know. It's really crazy. <laughs> but that's that's what happened last night while I was asleep. And I found out this morning. So the with, if there's any updates, I'll inform you. Um, now I gotta remember where I was. Um, they had no idea that Faith had been murdered until later on. Yeah? While authorities had sealed off the block that their apartment complex was on, they had only searched Karina and Faith's individual apartment, but none of the surrounding ones. So, so they lived in a kind of apartment complex that had little, I don't know, like, it was a giant complex, but it had little sections of apartments. So like there'd be a street and then there'd be a complex and then there'd be a little bit more of a street and then there'd be a complex. It was like a community of apartment complexes. They roped off like that single complex with like four apartments in it and they just roped off that one. They didn't rope off anything else. Um... Their apartment complex had also sat on a line of trees that led into a pretty, like, thick wooded area, but the police did not search that, um, and the public was extremely confused as to why they wouldn't want to search that area for either stashed murder weapons or even, like, someone hiding, 
They didn't even walk around the complex and asking anybody if they saw or heard anything. They didn't canvas the entire complex itself. They just literally investigated inside that single apartment and left. Whatever. Um, and then in 2013, the FBI got involved with the case and from the very beginning, the people of Chapel Hill could clearly see a difference in the way that the police work was being executed. Um, I keep saying, um, it's so frustrating. Whatever. Finally, in 2014, the court released the records on this case. Now, almost everything was out in the open, but not everything. Um, Details about the exact way that she was murdered were public knowledge, and it wasn't until then that the family knew how brutally she was killed. The family had never seen the autopsy autopsy report or the death certificate until this point, and up until now they had thought that she had just been sexually assaulted due to the fact that they knew semen was collected at the scene, but upon further searching, they saw on the autopsy report that there were no signs of vaginal trauma or anything that would lead professionals to think that Faith was sexually assaulted before or after her murder. So imagine, like, you find out your daughter is killed, and then you're like, oh my god, she was also sexually assaulted, but she actually wasn't. So then you have a whole new, like, (sighs) grief is grief. Like, it's gonna suck either way. But knowing the manner in which they were killed, like, you had to grieve knowing or thinking that they were sexually assaulted, and then you find out they're not, and you're like, okay, but it still sucks. Am I making sense? I hope so. Um, I don't know where I am. Since the autopsy proved that there was no sexual assault, plus the fact that Faith's body was placed in a way that looked like she had been sexually assaulted, and there were semen found at the scene, people speculated that her murder was set up to look like a sexual assault to cover something deeper. Um, and then the 911 call was released, which only made things 10 times more confusing. So... There is a theory that was brought up from this reporter in 2017 that Karina was not actually the one who made the 911 call, but it was Marisol. Doesn't sound suspicious at all, right? Like they both found Faith at the scene, so why would it matter who called? Well, it's only suspicious because they claim that the caller was 100% Karina, not Marisol. Comparing Marisol's voice to the caller, even I admit that it does sound like the same person, so it could be Marisol. Um, And when the dispatcher was asking who was calling, the person on the other end of the line kept avoiding the question. And eventually the dispatcher was like, what's your name? What's your name? What's your name? And the caller finally said that their name was Karina. Another weird little fact is that the entire 30-minute 911 phone call, Faith's name was never said. So, Karina, air quotes. Karina just kept calling her my friend. My friend is hurt. My friend needs help. My friend. Um, And you can also only hear one person on the line. Like you cannot even hear another person in the background. So either Marisol or Karina is standing in the background silent and not crying or she wasn't even in the apartment at all. Whoever wasn't on the phone, whatever. Um, The one on the phone also kept using I statements and not we statements, which nowadays grammar is a little bit harder to study because the, I don't know, like slang that we use that is derived from like TikTok and other booming socials right now. Um, Like when I'm speaking about myself, I'll be like, yeah, we're not doing that today, but I just mean me. So yeah, grammar's harder to study, which makes these kind of things a lot harder to study but um where was i 
why am I having such a hard time losing my spot right now? I think it's because I'm not at my desk. I'm in my literal bathroom. Um, yes, but if there are two people and someone is asking about the caller's location, the caller will usually say, we are here, not I am here. And that's what the person was doing. They were saying, I am at the apartment. I see this. I am doing this. Um, people also questioned why the caller didn't want to go touch Faith's body to see if she was either cold or if she had a pulse. I didn't put much thought into that because that's a traumatic experience and we can't really predict how others are going to act when faced with something this traumatic. But in later interviews, Marisol is extremely verbal about the fact that she did not want to go touch Faith's body or be near her body. So it lines up with the fact that people thought that Marisol was also the caller. Yeah. Uh, the same downstairs neighbor that heard the three thumps that night slash early morning Faith was killed saw Marisol and Karina just a few moments after they had supposedly found Faith's body. And she explained that the body language coming from Karina did not indicate at all that she was or she had just found her best friend's body in their shared apartment and that Marisol was the only one crying and it wasn't even a cry that you would expect from a grieving friend. It was like a soft cry and Karina was just on her phone. But once again, people show grievance differently. I agree it's fishy, but people, like, I'm not a crier. I don't cry at things, um, but I don't think I'd just be sitting on my phone. But also, it could be an Amanda Knox situation, you know? Foxy Noxie, for all we know. In 2016, a face was generated by a genetic testing company of what the suspect could possibly look like based on the phenotypes in their DNA. And the ancestry, ancestry results came back mostly Latino, then American, then European, then African, and finally Middle Eastern. The suspect would most likely have been on the darker side, olive-toned, with no freckles and black hair. Um, ready for another plot twist? A few months after the fo face photo was generated, it was released that there was a note found beside Faith's body. The note was written in pen and seemed as if it was written on a piece of a takeaway bag from a 24-hour restaurant named Time Out. Um, it was right next to campus, so it was an easy just like grab on your way back from the clubs kind of deal. Um, here where I live, there is not a single place that's open 24-7, I don't think. And it sucks. The only places we have... My air conditioner is about to kick on. I can hear it. The only places that we have are like McDonald's. It's open until like 9 sometimes. I actually think that Burger King is open all the time. Now that I think about it. But I don't eat Burger King. Um, I think IHOP might be open pretty late. I don't really dig IHOP. Why am I telling you guys this? You don't care. We're talking about faith. Um... So yeah, the note read, and it's got profanity in it, so watch your ears, Grandma. Um, the note read, I am not stupid, period. Or no, it didn't have periods in it. I put periods so that I would know there's a pause. <laughs> I'm not stupid, bitch, jealous. Now, when there is any kind of note left at a murder scene, there are handwriting analysis done to figure out who could have written the note, and the one thing that was discovered almost immediately um was the i worded this so terribly okay one thing that was discovered almost immediately was that um although there was blood splatter that covered the majority of faith's room the note was completely spotless so this would indicate that either the note was written beforehand and someone had committed the murder cleaned up and then placed it there or someone had written it and placed it there after cleaning up and after the murder whatever this one um 
or this once again indicates that the person who did this did not feel any sense of urgency after completing this murder they had time to go clean up place the note yada yada um handwriting experts also think that the person who wrote this note did it with their non-dominant hand to disguise the fact that they wrote it they always do come on people write it with your feet it's less noticeable um they also theorize that the note is meant to be read in a different order than how it's written so like stupid bitch i'm not jealous or like i'm not stupid jealous bitch yeah i don't know um People also speculate that maybe the note wasn't even meant for Faith, especially since it was placed there after she was deceased. She can't read it. Maybe it was for Karina. Um, a lot of people also think that it could have just been a simple way to show dominance, dominance, which would go hand in hand with the semen being found at the scene, but not physically inside of Faith. I don't know. I don't know. Um, one of Faith's friends came forward and claimed to have a voicemail from Faith the night that she was murdered, and it's thought to have been a like pocket but dial deal um the call came in around 1 23 a.m so faith would have still been at thrill um a specialist came in to listen to the voicemail and he concluded that he could hear faith two different males and then another female and the specialist says that the conversation goes like this so a female says you want to mess with my boyfriend and then faith is heard saying i said i don't want to rosie what just take a gander. Just take a guess. What is, coincidentally, Karina's nickname? Rosie. Of course it is. So the female, the unknown female, is heard saying, I'm going to kick your face, bitch. I figured out that's bullshit. Then you hear a female say, ow, and help me, which we assume is Faith's voice. And then a male is heard saying, I'm going to R word you. And then a female is heard saying, I think she's dying. And then a second male is heard saying, do it anyhow. In response to the first male saying that he's going to R her. Um, and then Faith is heard saying, get off of me. So, I suggest that you go listen to the voicemail yourself. Because I personally cannot hear any of what I just typed out. That's just what the specialist said. Um, okay, here comes my air conditioner. Ready? Now. Lovely. Just peachy. Okay, I'm just going to talk a little louder. I'm sorry. Bear with it. We've only got a little bit longer to go. Um, so, yes, I don't personally hear anything like that. It doesn't sound like it at all to me, but that's what the specials heard. I don't think that this evidence holds enough power alone because I literally cannot hear anything but ow and help me. But I'm also not a specialist who is trained to pull words from commotion-filled phone calls. So what do I know? Nothing. I know nothing. Um, but then there's the time frame also. 1.23 a.m. She would have still been at thrill. Until it came out that Faith's certain phone had a glitch in it where it would only, or it would show random times that were way off from what it actually was. Perfect, right? P perfect. So, it, the, the voicemail, it doesn't sound like she's in a club, but the time is messed up. But you can clearly hear Faith saying, ow, and help me. And at some point, you can faintly hear the words Rosie and Eric. It's all so confusing. But the Chapel Hill Police Department um, ended up throwing out the phone call completely, which is a scary move because you can hear some pretty scary things in the call that, regardless of the timestamp, are concerning. Um, they still, to this day, have not named a suspect in the case. But they do think that it is someone who is close to Faith, possibly in her friend group, but nowhere near a random act of violence. 
2,000 people have been interviewed, 750 people have given their DNA, 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 and not a single one of them has been a match. So they have narrowed down the suspects from 100 to 10 people, which seems amazing, and it is, but they are still nowhere near solving this case. Um, they did disclose to the public that they would not be closing the case until it is solved, no matter how long it takes, which is more than most people get, so that's good, that's good. Um, Karina refuses to do interviews or talk to anyone, including Marisol, which, once again, could just be the way she's coping, um, or it could be a guilty conscience. Faith ha also had an ex-boyfriend who was interviewed, and his name was Ty. Uh, Ty was an extremely possessive boyfriend, always demanding to know where she was and what she was doing, and if she ignored his, ignored his text and calls, he would come searching for her. He would harass her friends into giving up her location, and there was literally a time where he broke into her dorm room and woke up her roommate asking where Faith was because she wasn't answering his calls. She was just doing laundry at like 2 a.m. Um, there were rumors that he hit her once, but that was never confirmed. And then just a week before she was murdered, she told her friend that she was going back to date her, um, or she was going to date her high school sweetheart again, and his name was Alex. She said that she was done with Ty and his crazy antics and that she was ready to be with Alex again, but in the same week, she and Ty slept together, so she kind of really didn't know what she wanted. Maybe she was just trying to get a booty call in. I don't know. Um, that night, she, the night that she was going to Thrill, she was supposed to hang out with Ty, but she ended up texting, he ended up texting her and asked if she was still down to hang out. She never responded. So Ty being Ty, he would usually blow up her phone and go looking for her, but nothing ever happened, oddly enough, until Faith sent a huge text to him professing her love for him at 3 a.m. Um, but everyone close to her found this really odd. The wording and punctuation was off, and she, just that week she had claimed that she was done with him and ready to be with him, or ready to be with Alex again, but then they slept together. You see, you see how it's intense and confusing. Um, Jordan was also questioned, the one who picked up Karina from the apartment that night, but he was very adamant on not wanting to be questioned or involved in the case at all. The man whose apartment Karina stayed at that morning was also questioned, and he ended up telling authorities that when Karina showed up, she had a large red spot on her shirt, and authorities were so convinced that this held enough weight in the case that they ransacked the, this guy's apartment. Um, trying to find the shirt from that day, uh, or Karina's shirt from that day, and they did find the shirt, and they did run tests, but they won't release whether or not it's blood, or whose blood it is, if it is blood. So I'm going to assume that it is blood, and it's possibly Faith's blood, and it's part of the investigation, and that's why they can't speak on it. Um, also, Eric really inserted himself into the middle of Faith's case, which is perfectly fitting with the FBI profile. Um, he did interviews where he spoke so sweetly and highly of Faith's character, which was a shock to people who knew Faith and Eric's, I don't know, relationship, um, because he literally threatened her life. He beat up her best friend. I don't know. Faith's family, Faith's family ended up hiring a PI who has already investigated a bunch of people, including Brandon's roommate, who had a lengthy criminal history and nothing really yielded from that search but it's I mean, it's a good idea he would have known faith um and although 750 people have given their dna some of the biggest suspects in this case refuse to do so so until they can get them to give dna this case may remain unsolved um a lot of people believe that this wasn't a premeditated murder they do believe that there was a plan to show up and attack faith but it was not in the plan to kill her um which would makes sense as to why the murder weapon was a rum bottle 
Um, authorities also have called Karina in to speak over 10 times, and people speculate that she would only be called in that many times if they really thought that she was going to lead them somewhere in the case. So, someone knows something, someone knows more than they're leading on, and that's all we know for now. Yeah, it's frustrating, right? It's annoying. So what do you think? I literally don't know what I think. I think that there's a good possibility that Ty did it. Um, I think there's a good possibility that Karina's involved since she left the door unlocked. Um, I literally don't know. I also, for a second, and I know this is so, ter- it's like so terrible, but you have to think it, I thought that the dad might have done something to her. Um, but he's not really a big part of the case, so I don't think so. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know. What do you think? What do you think? So, that's all that I have for you guys today. Um, if you started school, good luck. Stay stay on top of your classes. You can do it. Um, Jenna, J-Ray Designs, just started teaching. Her first day was Thursday, the 19th, um, teaching little kindergartners. She's going to do a very good job. She was born to teach. That's for sure. Um, but yeah, let me know what you guys think. Let me know if you want Matthew in more episodes because he was very hesitant to do it, but I think that he enjoyed himself. So I'm going to go vacuum my entire apartment. Um, if you watched my Instagram story from today, you would see that I was chaotically cleaning everything. Um, I don't know if it's the stress from school starting. I just feel like I have to clean everything. It probably is that. We're going to go with that. Okay. You guys are amazing. Um, Lock your doors. Don't talk to creepy men. Um, Always keep your eyes peeled. Things are going on around us that we don't know. That sounded like it was conspiracy theory. I just more meant like stuff like this. Okay. Yeah. Goodbye.